Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Smile, Nigel Real Coker. You know why? Welcome to House of Champions. Use your friends dropping your comments and questions in the chat. And make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons as we preview the next set of round of 16 games of the first leg in the Champions League. Welcome to House of Champions. Everybody in the House of Champions today, of course, a non-smiling Nigel Real Coker. You all right, mate? <laughs> I'm all good, mate. I'm all good. You look tired, mate. You must have had a busy weekend. I'm all good, mate. I'm all good, all right? It's for the Mondays, isn't it? Yeah. Man. Michael, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm so excited. I wish my team, this the results from the weekend, a little bit on that, but I, I wish my team was in the Champions League, but we get to talk about football. Cannot wait to dig in today. Well, it was a Champions League quality kind of game last time out. Let's hope we get another same style of quality game in the Thursday night thriller. Uh, James Ben, you're in the penthouse. It looks awesome behind you there. How's things gone? So you should see what it's like out the garden. We've got the plum blossom is just blooming. I made myself a pumpkin spice latte today. Ooh. I am living my best life. <laughs> that got a smile on Nigel's face as soon as you said pumpkin spice latte. Mate, he was I knew, it, I knew Nigel was one of those basic girls that love a pumpkin spice. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A lot of love to everybody out there already. Steve's already in the house. Hello to you. Hello to Athos as well. Love heart to you as well. Uh, everybody, jump in the chat. This is your show. House of Champions is here. We built it for you. CBS Sports has given us this platform to be able to share our voice around the beautiful game for you guys. So jump in the conversation. If you want your opinion to be heard, this is the platform to be doing it. Nigel, I'm coming straight to you because we're mm. talking about Real Madrid at Liverpool. Now, Liverpool, I have no idea what to expect from them. Every time they play... I go into a game and I'm like, oh, I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be good Liverpool. I don't know if they're going to be up for it. I don't know if they're going to be fighting. I don't know if they're going to be ready for it. But one thing's for sure. I know on European nights at Anfield, the fans are up for it. And that could potentially spur Liverpool to victory against Real Madrid. Or could it? What's your thoughts? It's going to be an interesting game. I really don't know what to expect from this game, if I'm honest. Because again, Real Madrid haven't exactly been the most consistent side themselves. But the thing about Real Madrid is it's kind of like there's this kind of expectancy from Real Madrid when it comes to Champions League. I still feel every season they go into, the Champions League is their biggest and most important priority. And I feel that when it gets into these situations, this is when you really see the best of Real Madrid, in my opinion. Liverpool, for me, I think we're still kind of judging Liverpool of the high standards they set a couple of years ago. 
and they're not there. They're not going to be there. It, it's impossible to be there with the energy and the style of play, the high pressing. They're finding another way to win. They're finding their rhythm right now. Yes, they beat Newcastle this weekend, but again, it could have been a bit more of a close and tighter game than expected if it wasn't for the sending off of the goalkeeper. I hope that's not me frozen. I hope that's just <laughs> Nigel Rio Cogan's frozen. It's, yeah, it's definitely not me. <laughs> well, I'll take over for him because I think this is a very intriguing matchup. <laughs> it's the first time it's been quiet without Nigel. Kind of a, a refreshing thing. But it's a very intriguing matchup for many different reasons. The first part, from Liverpool perspective, you could have a bit of a recency bias. Look, the last two games, they've looked more like themselves and they've gotten two important wins. The Newcastle win was one that could have gone either way. They have Allison, one of the unsung heroes, while the team has not been performing, that cannot be overlooked. But this is a theme now that is getting back to form because players that have been underperforming are now getting back to their right ways. Trent Alexander-Arnold, the last two games, two assists. Darwin Nunez, we haven't said his name in a positive light for a while, scored a goal for the first time in the Premier League since what mid-November the finish he had that looked more like the Darwin Nunez that played in the Champions League for Benfica last season that got the big money move scored 26 goals in the Portuguese league only six goals in the Premier but it's a whole different beast when you get to the Champions League the big thing that I have and the big question I have going in this matchup is how do the injury returnees adapt to the pace of the Champions League? Virgil van Dijk, his presence, mass, mass to create more stability defensively in the back line. But the likes of Diego Jota, Firmino coming back, do they have a part to play and will they have a big say in this first leg? It's quite funny, though. I mean, Mike's just gone off here and, and, and said some nice stuff about Darwin Nunez. Um, I mean, it's not guaranteed. I hate to break it to you, but Darwin Nunez may well be out of this game. He's got a bit of a knock. He's uh, and I, and that, that sort of feels to me like the story of of Liverpool this season. You know, whether it's on the injury front or on the form front, it's one step forward, one step backwards. Um, I mean, you know, let's let's talk about these two wins that that it's important not to get carried away about. They beat a, an Everton team that messed up. You know, Sean Dyche made big mistakes and we can see like you know compared that Everton team that played before and after the Liverpool game you know they they were not a real opponent they got then got outshot by I mean, admittedly they were 2-0 up but they couldn't really convincingly hold on to a 2-0 lead against 10 men Newcastle and that's what really worries me and then I put together everything I've seen from you know we do have a decent sized data set decent experience to look back to with these teams, not just the Champions League final of last year, but the year before they met in the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. And we all know where this game can be lost very swiftly and very easily for Liverpool. It's down Trent Alexander-Arnold's flank. I almost think we've not talked about his defensive deficiencies of late because everyone else in the Liverpool team is showing them as well. And that's mm -hmm. the worry is also that then if Trent gets isolated against Vinicius Jr., who is starting to hit some real good form and did so at the, the, the World Cup, Club World Cup. How on earth is he going to stop that when the, the players around him, the midfield, Fabinho is out of form? Fabinho only seems good for a yellow card at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I agree with what Ian said, that you have to kind of factor in the Anfield of it all. And Liverpool have got some great forwards that contest this team and it helps that Shuamani and Tony Cruz haven't haven't traveled so it's not like Madrid's midfield can be quite as dominant you think 
well, quite, quite is the, the operative word there. They could still be dominant. Like they could still be better than, you know, I think it's going to be tough for Bicetic. It should be tough for Fabinho. I don't think Thiago is going to be fit either, is he? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. I just don't, I don't see this Liverpool, maybe give them three more. If you gave them three more games, three more weeks, mm. we might be seeing something that's more like the real Liverpool, but it, it feels like they're taking the baby steps. And if Madrid can just get into the groove, they've got these weapons that we know can beat Liverpool. And I think that's what I want to jump on, James. I think you're right. I think mm. for me, when I look at this game, you look at Valverde, you look at yes. Vinicius Jr., you look at Rodrigo, they've got too many individual special match winners and too many players who can cause problems. And let's not act like Carlos Ancelotti is not a good tactical manager. He's going to see that, like you pointed out, James, the Trent Alexander-Arnold weakness. They're going to expose that. How often is Trent going to get forward to create things from a midfield position if they put Vinicius Jr. on that side? You're not going to see Trent going forward. And even if he's there defensively, is Trent Alexander-Arnold good enough defensively to be able to handle Vinicius Jr.? That's the problem. So I, I just feel for me, if Real Madrid turn up, even let's just say 70%, they still have too many individual match winners to win this game. And I know, like you said, Ian, I know Anfield can be a special place, but I don't feel that Anfield right now has the belief in this Liverpool side, in this Liverpool squad, like previously they used to. I think they that they themselves, Liverpool fans, are realistic knowing it's a massive ask, it's a massive uphill battle. And there's still a lot of questions left in this side. Mm-hmm. I think simply put, this game is going to be won and lost on the flanks. I said it a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it again. Look at where the strengths of these two teams lie this season. It's on the flanks. It's goal-scoring wingers, but it's also going to be productive outside backs. For Madrid, David Alaba, we've seen him play center back. He will play left back to go 1v1 against Liverpool's attack. I think that the likes of a Militao, there's question marks about some of his form recently. He will have to be solid for Madrid. That partnership with uh, the Sierra Leonean, what's his uh, name? I can't even think of him. Former Chelsea man. You know, that's who I'm thinking of. That partnership, it, it hasn't been the best at times since the new year. I think Liverpool could still ask questions of that, but I agree with you, Nigel. Madrid do have more depth. When I look at the players they can bring off the bench even, if this game is somehow nil-nil or if it's 1-1, Marco Asensio has been in form since the World Cup. Look for him, the likes of Rodrigo. Those two players and players, they've come in to change games. Marco Asensio scoring a couple goals off the bench. I'm not as convinced, Nigel. Hold on real quickly. I'm not as convinced as you guys are that Real Madrid can turn up though on the night. Like Real Madrid have not exactly been convincing this season full stop. Um, Benzema, we don't even know if he's back from his vacation yet. I mean, the Ballon d'Or vacation that he took a long time ago. Uh, We have no idea where his head is at when it goes into these competitions, but we know he turns up in the big competition when it matters most. Now at Anfield, you would expect Liverpool obviously to have that extra energy. You would expect them to obviously have that buzz about them. And like we talked about, Nigel, we have no idea which Liverpool is going to turn up. And I honestly don't think that Jurgen Klopp has any idea of which side's going to turn up on the night. He's sort of putting a team out there and hoping that his players respond to the atmosphere, respond to the occasion, and put out a top-class performance. There's no doubt the fullbacks are massive in this defensively and offensively, but you also need to have a match winner. And this is where Mo Salah needs to step up and be the match winner in a game like this. As James pointed out, we have no idea if Darwin's going to be there. Sounds like he could be there, though. The good news is that positive news is coming out this morning that it looks like he could be around, whether he starts or not. It's a different story. So Liverpool have got to take their chances. But I'm not so sure. I'm convinced that Real Madrid, this Real Madrid, are in (laughs) full swing just yet, Nigel. I'm not. I'm just not. I've watched them play even on the road in the Champions League this season. This season at Celtic. 
45 minutes at Celtic. They were fantastic. The first 45, dreadful. Shakhtar Donetsk, far from impressive. Last game against Leipzig, they lost. So I'm not exactly all bought into Real Madrid in this first leg. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna address you, James. This is Ian who said Barcelona are not even gonna go buy Munich and not even gonna come out of their oh, group. Boy. And look what happened that one. <laughs> we are the guys who covered the Champions League last year, and not one of us had Real Madrid to win the Champions League last year with probably a weaker side than they've got this year. Agreed. They are a more talented team this year. So let's not mm. ever write Real Madrid out. That's just the reality of this competition. No matter what we who's, say who's or think performances-wise. Who's writing them out? You're, just, you're writing, them out, or writing them off now. I saying you're not convinced. No, I said I'm, I said I'm not convinced. <laughs> okay, well, you're the same person, like I said, that said Bayern Munich wouldn't get out of their group. So <laughs> We're me, not convinced I'm, with I'm you, just Ian. Scared. I've just <laughs> said that Liverpool, I don't know which Liverpool's going to turn up and I have no idea which Real Madrid's going to come. Listen, so I'll be honest with you. Pick a favourite, I don't know. Even if Liverpool turn up at their best, the thing with Real Madrid, which they've always had, is this. They've always had match winners. And that is what I believe is the biggest difference in this game right now. We talk about looking for that main man, that talisman of Liverpool. Salah hasn't really been it. They've never been the same since Sane left. That's one of the biggest things. Saudi Amane left, sorry. That's one of the biggest things. But for me, when you look at Real Madrid, regardless if you like it or not, most players that go, they go there as the finished article. Yes, they're kind of rebuilding a bit. But you look at those match winners in Valverde, and they still got Modric there, Vinicius Jr. And the, like Michael said, the options they can bring off the bench. Finished articles? They, what are you talking about, finished articles? They're not finished Most players articles. that they're go to Real Madrid. Thing. If you look at the history of Real Madrid, most players that go to Real Madrid, they don't go there to develop. They are there already at the side, at the finished article of a player. They are the best level they can be. Mm. There's only a few that they bought young now, but most yeah. of the players that they buy, you tell me. In history. Who goes there? Huh? In history, you're talking about. No, I mean, In history, it's generally, recent. yes. And it's, it's only a few more, young ones that they've got now, but you can't. Well, yeah. Go on. Right. No, 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 well, I, I, I think the question, and I, I hear what both of you are saying. I think the big question of this Madrid side that I have is in midfield. When you don't have Tony Cruz, when you have the injuries to the likes of a true many, I think, yes, both teams bolster on their given day, attacking talent that, that can take over a game at any given moment. Both teams have struggled with injuries. I think the, the big question mark over Real Madrid is how do they cope with the loss of the experience factor of a Tony Cruz? How do they cope with Luka Modric is getting older. It is showing in some of the games that they haven't turned up. They've gotten overrun in the middle of the park. I think of the Barcelona game in the Super Cup. I think of the Mallorca game. Mallorca overran them in the middle of the park and got the winner. I think if Liverpool, if they can bring the home energy, if they can get that first goal, if they can really, really sit back and hit on the counter, I think it's going to be a tough game, but I do agree Michael. with you, Nigel, that you can't count, you can't count Madrid out. Have you seen? I'm not counting yet, but have you seen Liverpool's midfield as well? Yes. How's Liverpool going to overrun it's, Real Madrid? Come on, let's be realistic about mate, this, gentlemen. Mate, look at how look at how they've gotten their goals in the last two games. It hasn't been it's, by being expansive. The games are in those games, being, are, but those games aren't like. There's 10 men of Newcastle and a, a great fast start. But and then what did we see for the 80 minutes that followed Nick Pope's yeah. red card? And then it's Everton. I mean, I would also sort of say, look at what they did. Look at what happened to their midfield against Wolves, Brighton, uh, Brentford. You know, these players just, as, as promising as Bajetic looks, these players just aren't good enough even to take on Modric, Camavinga, Valverde. It, that that's not they don't they can't balance it out there and then you kind of worry about the damage that can be done on the flanks. I do wrap it up, please. 
Uh, just want to apologise for my internet blip because I used uh, Ian's Best Buy people. Uh, yeah, James, I forgot about Camavinga as well. I, I just uh, listen. I'm not writing Finished off Liverpool. Article. Yeah, I'm not writing off <laughs> Liverpool. But, see, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're trying to make <laughs> silly right now, but I know what I'm saying. If we have more time, I just feel Real Madrid have too much quality match winners, individuals who can win this game. That's all I'm saying. First leg, Nigel. And this is a massive prediction here. And it's very difficult. And that's what I'm saying here. I find yeah. it very hard to predict a winner in this game. So first leg, what are you going for? I'm going to go for a 2-1 Real Madrid win. James? I'm Team Nigel on this 2-1 Real Madrid. I, I think they score, Mike. I, I know yeah, we're kind of I, like battering it on here. I think they score Real Madrid. But what do you think the score will be? I'm going the opposite way, 2-1 Liverpool. <laughs> I think yeah, Anfield, well, it's going to be... Gonna now for sure. how, how many, the short I'll say, how many times have we seen an Anfield night happen in the Champions League under Jurgen Klopp? I think this is going to happen. So you think that Liverpool turn it on and you think... Well, I think with that prediction, victory. Anfield's going to be empty for some reason now, isn't it? <laughs> Well, there you have it. All right. Uh, excellent stuff as always, guys. That was a great conversation. And I always appreciate everybody jumping in the conversation as well. Steve saying 3-1 to Real Madrid. Scott saying 3-1 to Real Madrid. 3-1 to Liverpool, says BX Gunner. Ali A said, James, uh, it is a transitions midfield that don't like that. Uh, Sumo jumping in and said, Real Madrid are always a contender, always. Some people don't learn from the past, which is a great point that Nigel mm -hmm. is trying to make right here. There are different beasts in the Champions League coming from a, a Benfica fan. Love to you as well. Love to everybody out in Portugal. Thank you as always for the support. Liverpool have Nunes, Salah, Jota, Firmino, Gakpo, Nigel. Don't forget those boys. And uh, yeah, I'm calling it right now. Yeah. Nunes will be eating good against Real Madrid. BX Gunner 81 predicts it. And Steve <laughs> says it's a 50-50 as we all predict as well. Okay, that is our predictions right there for what's happening at Anfield. Let's turn our attention to Eintracht Frankfurt against Napoli. Before I get the guys' opinions in this one, um, House of Champions was fortunate enough uh, in partnership with Lays to have a conversation with one of the legends of the games that was, of course, myself and James Bench with Thierry Henry. And uh, he shared his thoughts about this Napoli side. Listen in. Look, there is nobody competes with them in the league apart from Inter that beat them. So can we judge them in their league? No. Mm. It's the same way when people... It's only the first year, but the same way when people were used to say because this year they're struggling and they lost against Lille two years ago or so. You can't judge Paris Saint-Germain in the French League, which I think is not always great, but it's a fact. You can't judge Napoli right now because of the competition, level of competition in uh, uh, in the league this year uh, for them. Now, they beat Liverpool and everybody was like, oh, do you see how they play against Liverpool? But everyone did that to Liverpool this year. <laughs> no, really well. I love, I, I have nothing, this, this is not... This is not me trying to find. I'm just saying now, the Napoli side, yeah. Okay, okay, no competition in the league. They played Liverpool, but I've seen Wolverhampton do that to Liverpool. I've seen Brighton do that to Liverpool. I've seen I've seen it before. So mm -hmm. it's not only you that did that to Liverpool that will make you special. Mm -hmm. Now, question, do I love to see Napoli play? I love to see Napoli play. Graf, uh, Kelia, uh, and Simeone when he comes on, or Shimon. Uh, Lotka in midfield because people don't talk about that little guy in midfield takes everything you know at the back they have some new guys they lost, they lost key players after they were going to struggle they're not struggling for me that it, it's enjoyable to watch them play the only question mark that I have for me they haven't been really tested for the reason that I mentioned before 
Now, is it because they're that good? Which I do believe that they are. I still want to see a team on the other side that as good as them and see what's going to happen. I would love to see them against City, for example. I, I really enjoyed that interview. And um, I think we've got the whole the whole thing is dropping tomorrow and really looking forward to that. Obviously, we talk a lot about Arsenal, a bit about that 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 great analysis he did of Erling Haaland and Harry Kane as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that I hadn't thought the way about Napoli that, that and I don't think many on this pod did because we love Napoli here on this pod. We hadn't really kind of thought in Thierry Henry's way and had a few days to think about it. And I do disagree with him. He might be one of the greatest footballers of his generation. And I might just be some guy that taps away on a keyboard, but I still think what it kind of comes down to for me is that it isn't just that no one's kind of getting close to Napoli in the Serie A table, but game in game out, no one lays a glove on this team. You know, it's true. I mean, to be fair, two of the teams trailing them are Inter Milan, who will, may well have a lead in the first leg, and AC Milan, who may well be about to knock out Tottenham. So it gives you a sense that there might be some strength and depth in this league. They are absolutely romping. But also, they, I mean, they are so swaggeringly assertive. And, um, you know, one of the players you mentioned there as well, Victor Ozyman, I saw a headline in CNN this week. I didn't actually read the piece, which is to my eternal shame, because you should always read the piece. But it asked the question, is Victor Ozyman the best striker in the world? And do you know what? I don't, I, did, I don't think he is, but I didn't think it was a mad question to ask, which in the age of Haaland, Mbappe, Harry Kane, Lewandowski, I think shows you how absolutely dominant this guy is. And I think he is going to be going there with a point to prove. It's going to be a bit of a striker battle because, Ian, I'm sure you'll want to talk about Randall Kolomouani, who's maybe the only player in as good form as him in Europe's big five leagues. Uh, Marcus Rashford as well, I guess. But... Um, <laughs> You. Victor Osimhen, you know, they're, they're just elite level players. They are outstanding at the, at the back, outstanding up front. And we've seen them absolutely batter Ajax and Liverpool, romp through their league. Like, I kind of do have to disagree with Thierry. I think they're the real deal. And um, for now, at least, I've got them as my favourites to win the whole thing. Yeah, I'm, I'll jump on this. I, I disagree with Thierry on this. <laughs> I mean, Syria is competitive. And this year, it's not as competitive because how well they are doing. There's so many individuals in Europe and in the Champions League, teams that are so dependent on individuals. This is a team playing in ways that we haven't seen a team play in Syria before or in a long time. I think they deserve all the plaudits. And it's not just Victor Osimhen, Gavada Scalia, Zielinski from midfield, and also Ilmas. At the start of the new year, he was a player that we weren't talking about a lot. Look at the players that they have that are leading the way in the Champions League. This is a team that, what, made it to the knockout stage without their lead striker injured for half the group stages. We have to give them a bit more respect than that, I think. Mm -hmm. Mike, you've said pretty much most of the players that I would talk about as well. I mean, for me, the eyes don't lie. You can't act like Napoli are just coasting through these games. They're playing high tempo, high energy, high pressing football, wanting to get forward, wanting to score goals, no fear. How can you not say that they are real title contenders for this Champions League? I'm sorry. The football they're playing is the type of football that people would say you, you normally witness to seeing in the Premier League. It's the type of football that Manchester City were playing a couple of years ago. But you'd have to say now Arsenal are the team that's playing that kind of same style that fearlessness, that getting forward, that willing to score goals, wanting to score more goals and win the game, not being over-tactical, not being super defensive-minded. I disagree with Thierry. I think Napoli, for me, are one of the real deals. The confidence they're getting in the Serie A is confidence they can take 
into Champions League. And it, it's hard to say that or not. And I think for me, Osman is one of the best strikers in world football right now. You look at the goals he's scoring, how he's scoring the goals, the energy of pressing. And uh, yeah, I've seen some interesting comments, Ian, that I'm going to come for later on, maybe after this break. Yeah. Some we'll get back to it in just a minute. Yeah, but real quickly, yeah. Nigel, do you, do you think Napoli, this Napoli can win it? I think they can win it. I think they've got everything. You look at the back four and the midfield and, and what they've got attacking-wise, I think they can win it. Because it's funny because you talk football and people say X, Y, and Z. None of us could see what Real Madrid did last year. And they went on to do it. So I just think for me right now, barring they don't get any serious injuries, I think Napoli have everything it takes to go all the way. Can I just dive in also, and make the case against yes. them? And you know I don't think this because I've just said I think they could well win it. The only thing I would say is this Napoli team is totally new to all this. And I think they will be fine yeah. against Frankfurt. But it's almost that thing of like, we gave Real Madrid, and I think they've earned it. We, we are going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they know what they are doing. They know how to manage this this competition they know how to manage games over two legs it's just it's that one thing isn't it it's the doubt you have about Napoli is teams don't usually go from nowhere in Champions League terms to winning the whole thing I love yeah. the idea though of them getting to the final I think that's well within their reach yeah. and if you actually sat down and said who who has a higher ceiling than them I think it's only City and Bayern if, or whoever mm. of Bayern and PSG win listen I, I think that this Napoli side can win it. I mean, hmm. the world that we're living in right now, this is an unusual Champions League campaign. Very unusual ca Champions League campaign. Such a condensed uh, squash schedule, domestically, internationally, also international games for your country, plus a World Cup thrown in the middle. I mean, strange things are happening right now in our game. And when you're in form, you have to go as far as you possibly can. And I don't think there's a more informed team than a Napoli right now. And when you've got a striker like Osman scoring the way he is scoring, you have to rely so heavily on that and hope that it can lead you all the way to the final. So there's no doubt in my mind, and I was watching the P-plus team talk about this on Serie A, about how domestically they, they basically can put that on the back burner now. They've got such a gap domestically right now that you can focus all your attention, all your players, resting players, whatever it may be, playing players, giving them minutes, whatever it is, to get them ready for these Champions League games. I just wouldn't want to, to bet against Napoli right now with the form that they're in. They score goals. Although this season we have seen them in a couple of games, Mike, where, was it Cremonense, who are bottom and yeah. not one in, in Serie A. They beat them in Copa, uh, Copa Italia, if I'm not mistaken. Then yeah, in, against Inter as well. They, they had a, a bit of a fluff against Inter in that first game back, which is obviously an unusual one after um, the, the, the break. Um, so they're not a team that cannot be beaten. But when I look at this Napoli side, I just don't think it... Uh, anyone's going to beat them anytime in the near future. And they certainly don't have to worry too much about um, domestic issues right now, Mike, or am I mistaken? Do you think Andrew Frank no. can actually do something in this game? Uh, I, it's going to come down to one man. And I'd love to hear your perspective on him as well, but I love Randall Colo Moani. I remember tuning into a champions league match on Paramount plus and seeing him score in two and got them to the knockout round the game against Marseille unfortunately why Marseille <laughs> one of the reasons why Marseille isn't out and also the game against Sporting this young man a very young footballer he could be one of the future world superstars as a striker can play anywhere in the front line can play as a lead striker striker for Frankfurt but what mm -hmm. he does 
bringing the rest of his team into the game. I mean, this guy's at the top yes. of the assist charts for the Bundesliga, as well as one of the leading goal scorers in the league. Absolute handful, can score worldies, can score just poacher sort of goals. Nap, nap, nap will have their hands full with him if they take their eye off of him for one second. Mike, you sound like you're at a techno concert, the way your microphone keeps glitching in and out right there, mate. It's like, and I, <laughs> fantastic. But at the end of the day, I did get your point there, and I will jump on the back of this Colo Mani situation. His statistics right now, just to update everybody on it, 15 goals, 14 assists this season. He's 24 years old, signed in a free transfer from Nantes. Uh, JJ kind of warned us all about this kid to watch out for him. Um, and I would say to Eintracht Frankfurt fans out there is enjoy this guy as much as you possibly can. Because in the very near future, it will be most likely, as Eintracht Frankfurt, we know who have had these great strikers in the past, we can go through the last 10 years, sold them on. All Bayern? of them. Will he get I to think Bayern? it's a possibility. I think it's a possibility. Mm. I really do. I think it's a possibility. He, he Proven in the Bundesliga, James, which is where Bayern tend to lean when it comes to strikers. They like people who are proven in the Bundesliga. Um, and this guy's certainly doing it. But what I like about his game is the assist, as Mike pointed out right there. This guy invites the players around him. And obviously, it's great to see Mario Goethe back playing football and enjoying his football again. Really enjoy seeing that. Um, but they're, they're a solid team, Eintracht Frankfurt. And they're going to lean heavily on their home support in this first game. But I have no idea. No idea if you can potentially stop this uh, Napoli side from scoring a couple of goals. Nigel, give me a prediction, please. It's going to be tough. But I, I still see Napoli getting the win. I'm going to go for, again, a, a close game. 2-1 Napoli win. James? 2-0 Napoli for me. Mike? Yeah, I go 2-1. I think Colomani does get a goal or has a factor in it, but Napoli too much. I'm going for 1-1 or 2-2. I think there's going to be a score and draw in this game. I think uh, I'm leaning heavily in my favoritism towards Bundesliga. Absolutely here. I don't think you can stop Napoli from scoring goals, but I just can't wait to see the TIFO before the game. Make sure you tune in early on, P-plus, to watch this one because the, the TIFOs are normally fantastic when it comes to European competition. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, uh, also, just want to let everybody know that we have more of that Thierry Henry interview uh, coming up, and it's going to be dropping tomorrow on our YouTube platform. So please, everybody out there, make Make sure you go and follow across our social media platforms as much as possible. But watch out tomorrow for the awesome opportunity to listen to Thierry Henry not only talk about um, this Napoli side, as you just heard here on House of Champions, but also to talk about Arsenal, the season they're having in there. James was uh, very excited to ask him a bunch of questions about Arsenal and he got stuck into it. So it was absolutely fantastic. So make sure you follow along as much as you possibly can um, across our YouTube channels and uh, for sure. When we get the opportunity uh, to drop it tomorrow, we'll let you know. So follow across our social media platforms. Keep an eye out on YouTube. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we do come back, House of Champions will be back with uh, a preview of what's happening on Wednesday in the Champions League. And we'll also have a touch upon uh, Manchester United. Mike LaHood, he seems a little bit excited. They take on Barcelona on Thursday. See you in a minute. Don't miss a second of the action from the greatest club competition on earth, the Champions League. Follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Lionel Messi, Karim Benzema, Victor Osimhen, and Erling Haaland as they try to clinch the most prestigious prize in the game. Stream every match from the Champions League live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month for free with the promo code ADVANCE. Welcome back to House of Champions, everybody. You enjoy Nigel Rio Coker, James Bench, Michael LaHoot. Uh, let's get into it, Nigel. Got a smile on your face. Let's talk about Leipzig against Manchester City. It's a, a big game. I, I also want to touch upon the fact that this is a game that normally doesn't disappoint. The two previous affairs, both teams have scored in. We had a thriller in Manchester where Leipzig and Nkunku scored a hat trick, uh, but they still lost that game by 6-3. to three. 
Uh, Nigel, this is a big game for Manchester City. I really want to get your opinion on City, where they're at right now. We're starting to see off-the-field issues with financial fair play. Pep Guardiola is getting grilled a bit more in his uh, press conferences. In many ways, I see him being a bit frustrated. He picked out a few players from the past, <clears throat> Steven Gerrard. Um, but at the same time, Manchester City defensively have not necessarily been great this season. Not as many shutouts anywhere near as they had last season for Ederson. They got a draw at the weekend against Forest. Are we starting to see some cracks here with City? The cracks have been coming from a while. I keep saying it. I've said it before. I paid attention to when Pep was talking after that game against Tottenham. When a manager of his calibre comes and says comments like that, something that's just something, it's it's not normal. It's, you know, out of character for Pep to be like that. That's when I knew something's not quite right at City. And it's funny because I've actually came across someone this week and I can't mention a name, but he's a big City fan, used to travel from London to go and watch City all the time. And then he kind of felt not the same anymore, that the club doesn't really feel the same as it is now with the takeover and the money kind of felt withdrawn from it. I feel for me, when you look at Man City now, um, it's the fact of these players have won Premier League titles. They're kind of okay with that. And it's the motivation aspect of it. I feel that's the problem. I feel the motivation aspect is what Pep is struggling to deal with. He doesn't have the characters that he once had who have left now. The likes of like a Vincent Campany. Someone that I know personally well with a big character in dressing rooms is Fabian Delph. Don't let his size fool you. Hmm. That guy was a character and a big personality in dressing rooms. All these type of players are not there no more. Pep moaned. Oh, well, why do you expect Arsenal to be the top? Look at the two players that they've got. Jesus and uh, Zichenko have gone there. And that's why they're top of the league. And they haven't been in the top league in, in a decade. But these are players that you let go. I think that there's an element of Pep falling out with players, more so on a personal level. And obviously, once you don't want to be there, it doesn't keep you. And I think that it's the motivation aspect of it. And I feel that when you look at now the situation he tries to do, Bernardo Silva playing left back and then going into that midfield role, it's kind of now he's really trying to be extra clever than he needs to be. And that's something that's been a fault for him in the past two previous Champions Leagues with team selection. So I, I do worry about this city. I can't say that I see this city team as the same city team we've seen a couple of years ago. When I look at Arsenal... I see the city that Pep started. Arsenal, for me, is the new Man City in just an Arsenal shirt. That's what I see. I don't see that same energy and enthusiasm and desire in this Man City team. So I am worried. And I think this game really could go either way. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nigel really nicely hit on a lot of the macro issues there. But I think the thing that intrigues me for this game that he highlighted as well is Bernardo Silva at left back. Mm. And, you know, I saw this in person against Arsenal, but also you saw it at the weekend against Forest. And and the Forest game is really interesting because, you know, you saw a lot of the stuff that would be like, yeah, this is why you play Bernardo Silva at left back because he's, he, you know, City have 73% of the ball. So he can move into midfield. He can be that extra man in the pivot with Rodri. Oh, and guess what? When there are literally six defenders defending Erling Haaland in the penalty area, City can work the ball to the edge of the box and Bernardo will whack it in. But... Football's a low-scoring game. Football can swing in moments in a way that, you know, other sports can't. And guess what? Bernardo just makes one mistake because he he will be the first to admit he does not have the defensive instincts of even, you know, the Delfs and the Zinchenkos that Pep moved to left-back. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing for that Forest goal. He goes and flies out into no-man's land, nowhere near enough to, to Morgan Gibbs-White, but, like, giving Brennan Johnson all the space he needs. Like, if Pep does this... On, on Wednesday against the Leipzig side that have got Dominic Shaboshlai kind of in that right wing space, 
they are going to get ripped to shreds. They were incredibly <laughs> lucky that Arsenal didn't, you know, take get two or three goals down that flank in the first half. Um, and frankly, Bernardo fouled his way into keeping Arsenal down to a goal in the first half. Like, if he does that, then then this tie could change dramatically. Uh, I think if he's smart, just put Nathan Ake there. It's not the sexiest. It doesn't help as much with your build-up play, but it does actually mean you can press, you can kind of function as a team because you're not having to cover for Bernardo Silva at left-back. I'm so glad you hit on Leipzig. I I love this guy. I, I think that he really came to, to being and came to pass last season for them in the Bundesliga and in that Pokal Cup run. But man, oh man, this guy in the last couple of weeks, the, just the, the variety and the different players stepping up to cover the likes of the, the missing at Christopher Nkunku, who, by the way, is back and by the way, got an assist. He will be the X Factor. I know fitness is an issue for him, but him coming back, City will have their hands full. I mean, that midfield, the way they interchange, the way they play under Andre Silva, Leipzig is a team that you cannot overlook. And also, Leipzig, they beat Real Madrid at home. This is a team that will play well at home in the Champions League, but they will need to get that something out of it at home in this first leg to be competitive throughout. Yeah, there's something very special about uh, the fit with Marco Rosa and uh, Leipzig. Really enjoying watching him, obviously, try and get the best from these players, bringing confidence to these players. Even dealing with Nkunku, who, by the way, when he left, was leading the Bundesliga scoring charts. And by the time he's come back, he's still leading the Bundesliga scoring charts. And I know he's got a bit of pressure from Fulkrug now. But it is fantastic to see him coming back. Many difficult games this season where I thought, ah, Leipzig might not show up here. They've turned up. And it was a difficult one at the weekend for them against Wolfsburg. But they turned it on. And um, they're a team that are very difficult to stop right now. They score a ton of goals. Defensively would be my question mark obviously with the goalkeeper situation no Golashi you're you're relying on a blast switch there against an Erling Haaland which could be very interesting here um I think that City will struggle to stop Leipzig from scoring goals my question would be is how many goals can Leipzig score we know that Leipzig have got a ton of great talented players who love to attack offensively is it Timo time again now James you can touch upon Ooh. this fight Timo Werner had an absolute shocker at Chelsea, right? And he, he just, he wasn't himself, didn't look confident, didn't look happy. But already I'm seeing a different Timo Werner at Leipzig. Yeah. No pressure. He's enjoying his football. He can go and play on the wing. He can drop him behind the strikers. He can get him behind. This is a happy Timo Werner who now, James, has a massive point to prove to the whole of the English media that I'm still the freaking man. I mean... He doesn't have a point to bring to the English media because, like, we just said what we saw. Like, he was really bad. But, I mean, it, I think that was just the most uncomfortable position. You know, and you see this with Kai Havertz. He came at just the wrong time. It was really tough. They came in in the, the COVID summer. Um, no one really knew and still doesn't know how to fit both of those players into that Chelsea squad. Um and I mean, clearly there's a huge amount of respect for Timo Werner. He's still like a Chelsea fan and Chelsea fans like him because they admire the hard work that he uh, that he put in in a Chelsea shirt. But it just never, ever, ever clicked. And clearly he's sort of living proof, isn't he, that you can just be in the wrong environment and you can go from looking like a top quality striker, a top quality footballer to like, my God, why is this player playing football? Um, and it's great. It is great to see. As, as facetious <laughs> as I'm being, it's actually really great to see Timo Werner um, kind of finding his, his joy again. I was going to say this, Ian, remind me never to play for you if you become a manager, right? Because I think that's the <laughs> worst thing you could say to him. You just got to say, 
Play with a smile on your face. Forget about proving a point to the British press or the British media. You don't want that because once he takes that onto the pitch, you can see clearly he's a confidence player. He might not play well because he's yeah. buckled under the pressure of, oh, I've got to prove a point. No, you don't need to. You're now at Leipzig. That chapter's closed. Play to, play with your freedom. Express yourself and go and score goals. That's all you got to do. Remind me never to play for you because all that reverse psychology <laughs> nonsense doesn't work for me, mate. I'd have played you left back, mate. Left back in the dressing and room. And I would have done an absolute great job, mate, as I did it right back for a bit. <laughs> I, I do remember I that. Bored. I do remember that. Until I got bored. Uh, we do have a Bundesliga race going on uh, just real quickly. I mean, this is incredible to see what's happening right now with Bayern Munich. They did have another mm. defeat at the weekend to their bogey team, which was, um, of course, Munchen Gladbach. But Dortmund getting a victory. Union Berlin didn't get a victory. They had a 0-0 against Schalke. They had a chance to go top of the table. And guess what? Next weekend, we have Union Berlin against Bayern in Munich. So we have a top-of-the-table clash, which is an opportunity for Borussia Dortmund to potentially lead the way. Um, but this is a beautiful thing for me. I've been waiting for a long time to see a little bit of uh, a competition in Germany. Now I finally have it. And Nigel, as much as you've been harping on, and I know Bayern have been fantastic <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. Champions League, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still seeing the cracks, man. I'm still seeing it. And I'm, I'm hearing more and more about Julian Nagelsmann behind the scenes, which is a big concern for me because um, he's starting to have a debate about, you know, the executives and transfer structure and all this type of stuff, which at the end of the day, I don't think bleeds well to the team. Yes, they have the best squad of players. Yes, they should win the Bundesliga. But watch out for Borussia Dortmund right now, by the way. I'm just going to say oh. it, Mike. I know you've been impressed with them because they've been on fire. Dortmund are winning every single game. They're playing well. I will say this, though. little injury to Kareem Adeyemi pulled his hamstring Ooh. while he was still crossing the ball, by the way. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> yeah. he pulled his hamstring, was holding his hamstring through his leg onto the ball, crossed it into the box, and uh, they got their goal. So, um, real quickly, quick prediction on this game before we get out here. We've got to move on fast. Nigel. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm going to go with the upset, if I'm honest. I, I mm. just have a feeling that Leipzig will do the upset 1-0. James? I think Pep won't do his daft left-back thing. Ake will play, City yeah. will win 1-0. Mel? I'm, I think there are goals in this. <laughs> I think 2-2. Two, two. I'm going for... Uh, I'm supporting you, Nigel. I'm going for our Leipzig win here. I think City go through in the tie, but I'm going for our Leipzig yeah. win in this first game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how City play. All right, let's quickly turn our attention to the next game that's taking place. It is Inter Milan against Porto. Apologies to everybody out who's been waiting for this chat. We're going to rattle through it pretty quickly because we do also have to get on to some Donnerstag Day, which is Thursday football. Of course, Michael LaHood's <laughs> Manchester United against Barcelona. Uh, real quickly, James, I'm going to come to you first on this one here. Inter Milan against Porto. I mean, Simone Inzaghi obviously got pressure. They're miles away uh, domestically. No chance of catching Napoli now, realistically. Uh, European competition you would expect them to go through against this Porto side but Porto are undefeated I went back and looked at the stats they haven't lost a game in 22 hey. yeah it's a lot of it's in the Portuguese league though isn't it and I don't really know what to make like, as in I genuinely do not know how much store to put in that I was writing up some preview stuff around this I mean one thing I'd say is you've got two really good defences here uh, my assumption is Porto with with Pepe, who is turning 40 during this tie. Jeez. He will be 40 when the second leg is played. I think they're just going to go full Porto in the Champions League. Um, Inter, though, by the way, have looked really strong defensively since the World Cup, not giving up many goals. I think something like 5xG in their last, uh, five and a half xg in their last eight games uh, in Serie A. So I think this is going to be gritty, tense. I mean, if we want to speed things up, I'll give you my score prediction as well. I've got this down yep. as a nil-nil. No, no. Mm. Nigel, where are you going? Mm. I'm going to, I think Porto for me have been great. I think they've been a, a real good uh, dark horse in the Champions League so far. I think they've got a great mix of uh, youth and experience. And some of the games I've seen them play, the passing, the movement of getting from back to front quickly, 
they are a well-oiled machine. And I think for me, these Porto and you like look at Benfica, these two teams from these Portuguese league are really making a statement in this year's Champions League. Inter for me still, I'm not really that convinced in Inter. Mm-hmm. Mm. ML, you're mm. going to have to take it from here. Uh, we have the same internet guy, apparently. So apologies to uh, the thing. Uh, I, I, I'm intrigued to the, the lesser headline matchups in this Champions League round of 16 tie, but it's too much quality. When you look up, up top, FC Porto are led by one man, Mehdi Taremi. We saw him at the World Cup for Iran, Iran Champions League, getting goals. I think he has five goals on the calendar year so far, which is impressive for the Portuguese side. But after that, there's not much else happening in the league. Yes, wide players chipping in, but I think it's going to be going to be the midfield. What can Inter get from the midfield? Nicolo Barella, he has been one of their unsung heroes. Doesn't get enough plaudits for me. He has been a big reason for their uptick in form in Syria. I think if he can impose his will, his runs off in midfield, then Inter will breeze through this. But Matias Arube for FC Porto, I've been impressed with him as well. Can play on both sides of the ball. If he can surprise some people, FC Porto will have a chance. I will say this, though. Porto are dealing with a ton of injuries right now. Um, also trying to keep themselves healthy as they go through this because the squad depth is obviously a very difficult challenge for a lot of these teams right now with the crazy schedule that's been thrown upon them. Um, but this is a massive game. Mike, your your prediction real quickly? Uh, nil enter. Say again? One nil enter. I think okay, his internet's you, too glitchy and he doesn't get to talk about down. Man. He, he doesn't like, get Man United talk. We can't trust him <laughs> <yeah>. on it. <laughs> One nil, nil, nil. enter. <laughs> All right, we're going to turn our attention to Manchester United against Barcelona. This is taking place on Thursday. It's oh, the second oh. leg. The first leg kind of blew us all away, Mike. I know your uh, internet's a little bit gl- uh, glitchy right now, but Rashford on form, this type of form, I mean, I don't even know if, if any team can stop him right now, uh, let alone Barcelona. Um, but Barcelona have got a lot of fight left in them. So this one is going to be a very interesting point here. So what do you think this game ends up being? Manchester United, clear favorites, obviously being at home. Yeah, I'm going United through and through. Given what I saw at the Camp Nou, yes, Rashford doing his thing, but Bruno Fernandez in that wide right role, that combination between Rashford and Veghorst. Veghorst, if there was ever a time to find the back of the net, it was and it will be this game. At the weekend, had a bundle of chances, could not freaking score. Oh, frustrating. I think he's saving his big goal against Barcelona for Barcelona. Injury woes at the wrong time. Busquets out. Pedri out. Gavi out for yellow cards and Usman yeah. Dembele out. I don't see Barcelona having it because of those misses. James, yeah, they're, United. Re- they're really going to miss those players. Um, equally, there's always this thing, you know, Mike's made a good point there on Bruno Fernandez, and it's great to see Sancho getting back into form. Veghorst yep. is what he is, and he's not going to score you lots of goals. He's just not that player. It, it's still, it's you know, they've taken strides forward, but it's so reliant on Rashford being one of the best players in the world. And that's what he's playing like now, but I've not seen much evidence that this is the player he is and that, you know, the past two and a half years are a blip. This feels like more of the the happy blip and long may it continue because if anyone deserves it, it's Marcus Rashford, you know, wonderful footballer. But um, if he's not on song, you know, when when this amazing hot streak stops, I wonder if Manchester United are not quite a match for Barcelona. So, if you know if Rashford's good enough, 
United go through comfortably, but anything happens to him, I wonder what the supporting Ooh. cast can offer up front. James, I don't know, man. United, the way they're mm. playing right now outside of Rashford, <laughs> it's it's just fun to watch. I agree with you on the Veg Horse, though. The Veg Horse point is a great he's point. Not a it was, ah. He's not a scorer. And there's also, like, I've watched him a couple of games now, and I'm just thinking, like, he just doesn't see it sometimes. Garnacho made a run in the first half, and he oh, yeah. was furious yeah. that he yeah. didn't get the ball, the kid. And he just didn't see it. Veg Horse, he just didn't see it. He's just not that player. So at the end of the day, disappointing. Nigel, real quickly, your uh, thoughts and prediction on Manchester United Barcelona second leg. First leg kind of blew us all away. Yeah, I'm going to go for Man United win. I feel that it's going to be a special occasion there, Old Trafford. And um, I just feel that Marcus Rashford is the Rashford that we're supposed to be seeing a long time ago. And I disagree with James to a degree because I don't think it's a blip. I think it's the fact of when a footballer has the right manager. This is the manager that Marcus Rashford has needed and wanted a long time. When you see a lot of these players, it's having the right manager is what makes the big difference in why you see such a high level of consistency and high performance. This is what it's been waiting for. And I feel that it's going to continue under the guidance of Eric Ten Hag. But I can see Man United getting this win because I think that the Old Trafford fans are going to be absolutely phenomenal and they're going to be the yep. difference maker. Yeah, great point right there. I think uh, the home field advantage for all of these teams that are left in UEFA competition is going to be massive. Great comment coming in from Athos right here. He said, Veghorst might just reinvent the number 10 role. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> great point because everybody else around him seems to be playing fantastic. Uh... So you just sit there and distract everybody and let us play around you. Uh, we, we want to apologize for the audio issues that we've had today, yeah. technical difficulties. Uh, apologies to everybody out there, but um, not normally the case, obviously, we're just uh, getting stuck into the week. It's UEFA week. We're really excited about that one. Boys, really appreciate the effort today. Thank you so much. We're back at it again on Tuesday and Wednesday post games to review all of the action from the Champions League. Make sure you're watching on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports to enjoy the games. And then, you know what? If you want to hear more from the House of Champions, come and join us at 5 p.m. Um, right after those games finish. We're really, really excited to share it. And then, of course, on Thursday, we will be following the Manchester United game against Barcelona as well. And for all of you audio listeners out there on the podcast platform, Form. We have a little bonus for you today after the show. Uh, we're going to share a little bit more of that Thierry Henry interview as we tease what's happening. It is dropping on Tuesday on our YouTube platform. So if you want to watch the full interview with Thierry Henry, myself and James Benj, it was absolutely fantastic. TT never disappoints. Absolutely brilliant stuff. Even though Nigel Rio Coker didn't agree with one single thing he said about Napoli, it was still <laughs> worth sitting around for. So hang around if you're listening and enjoy the podcast bonus that we're leaving for you. Wait. Nigel, last Last no, minute no, no. before we get out here. Danger <laughs> Mark was also disagreed with him. Don't play with me like that. I don't remember that. I don't. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. There we go. The executive <laughs> rocking. I don't remember anything. Yeah, I was just yeah. on Nigel. I don't. Listen, it is that. I don't care what player some people fan them over, whatever it is. I'm not backing down from no man. All right. <laughs> That's why we love you. That's why we love yeah. you. Yeah. And that's it. And just because you've played the game at the highest level and maybe have won every single trophy, it doesn't mean to say that your opinion is agreed with with everybody yeah. out there. And I will say this, though, the supporters around the world right now, the media, the journalists, everything's just gone to the next level. People know more about the beautiful game. And in my opinion, I read uh, a lot more about the journalists, <clears throat> James Benj and JJ, all these people. I, I get more from them than I do from some players, some of the greats who played the game. And, and that's just simply the way it put. It's and that being said, Nessa, are you? 
<laughs> maybe, maybe just a little bit. We got to get out of here. Uh, Producer Des is a busy man. Uh, thanks, everybody. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and any else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, for everybody out there on audio, enjoy the bonus coverage. For everybody else who is not on audio on the YouTube, thank you so much for jumping in the comments. We appreciate every single one, especially you, Arthur, as well, towards uh, Nigel. He, he really appreciates your comments. Uh, so thanks very much. But come back and join us after the Champions League game on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll see you then. You've made some real good talking points and one great debate or one discussion that really was brought to my attention was what you mentioned uh, to Kate Abdo on the Paramount Plus pregame show about Erling Haaland and Harry Kane and that comparison and what they can do to be better, what Erling can do to be better. You mentioned a fabulous talking point about in your career, learning to develop your game to help others around you. I thought that was absolutely fantastic to listen to. But my question to you would be more so, which player did you find that perfect partnership with where you knew you were going to get the ball at the right time, or you knew you just had this right chemistry. Which one was it that fit perfectly for you? Look, first and foremost, I want to go back to your point, and I can't claim anything because it was it was Arsene Wenger that told you that. You know, stop asking yourself the, the wrong question. Ask yourself the right question. Can that guy see you like that guy? Then I went, oh wait, no. So it's, so I said I can't make the same run with it. It depends on who's on the ball because I, again, it was very important point. I need to enhance the skills of the guy on the ball, not his weaknesses. Do you understand what I mean? Because as a striker, you move and you're like, oh, they didn't, he didn't see me. Can he? Could he? Do you understand what I mean? So I started to think and move in function of who had the ball. And understand me well. Alan is a freak. We all know that. I'm just saying, sometimes in big games, when your team cannot help you, can you sometimes help them? Can you come short because a guy likes to play one-two? But you need to analyze what the guy wants early. And for that, they're in front of you. you. You should know by now. I'm not talking so much about him now, but at one point as a striker, you should know. You're a Man United fan, right? Bex will cross early. Giggsy, no. It's, you know it's not, it's not the same thing. Scorsi, ball comes straight to the striker and he goes and get it again. If you're a striker, you don't read that. You don't read how Scorsi plays, how Beckham play, and how Geeks play. You, then you will never be in, in, the, in, the, in, in where you should be. Having seen, having seen that that guy, 26 goals, I don't know how he reached that, but when you see the balls that he received from De Bruyne all the time, also yesterday, same thing. That's, 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 that's a common score, man. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is it's a team game. Sometimes during the season, it's got to be the striker adapting to the team. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's all I was trying to say. Now to go back, easy, Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> Dennis, yep. Dennis could find you in the box. Dennis could find you outside of a box. Dennis was always waiting for the right moment to give you the ball. If you had to, if you had to make the difference with your run, he was waiting for you to make the difference with your run. If you had to attract, he was attracting. If you had to showboat, he was showboating. If you had to shoot, he was shooting. And I had a lot of respect for guys that could do something else for themselves, but they were still respecting the game. 
you understand what I mean? And then sometimes because they were so good, they bailed themselves out because they scored. Mm-hmm. But Dennis was always trying to do what the game was asking him to do on top of being on time in training, eight o'clock always, a run he wants to be first. Ten times you control the ball with your right, you pass it to your left. Ten times control the ball. He was always doing like, you know, and you, the, the, skillful, the skillful guy usually in a team is the guy that sometimes will, oh, you know, today, you know, no, not Dennis Bergkamp, every day. Every day, first in training, last in training, working hard. There's a sprint. The sprint stops at 10, 10 meters. It stops at 30 meters. I'm like, the comb was here. What are you doing? But then, but what I'm trying to say is when you look at it, when, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, so if I, want, if I want in bracket, if I want the keys of that team, this is what I have to do. That's what I have to do to, to, to beat the many. Oh, but that's the best example. That's the best healthy uh, competition. That, that's the guy I have to follow. Oh, okay. You arrive at 8, I arrive at 7.30. Then the day after, you arrive at 7.29. I'm like, oh, look at him. You know, but, you know, I have much respect for this guy because after what he has achieved at the club, he could have gone like, no, nobody. You have to take the keys out of his hands. Then he will give them to you. You know, he will, okay, you can have them. Thierry, on the, on the subject of those great teams, I know that the this current iteration, obviously nowhere near the level of success that you guys enjoyed. But one thing I have to say is you feel an atmosphere around North London when you, you cover the club like I do that there hasn't been since since those days in Highbury. I mean, first of all, do you feel it? And what in particular do you think is is behind kind of this this team and this fan base falling in love with each other? So first and foremost, in my time when I arrived at Arsenal, People were always referring Arsenal to class, family, and fight. I don't care what you say. So if you wear that shirt, you got to understand that. I think some players along the way lost track of that. It, it happens. I'm not, it happened to me sometimes. You know, oh, you need, you need a little, oh, hang on a minute. So Tony Adams, they gave it to me. Martin Cairn gave it to me. Lee Dixon gave it to me. But when you lose that core, Where do you find it? Where do you find it? You know, I, I understand, you know, I see a lot of hashtags. I see a lot of, uh, we do this, we do that. And you have to, I do understand, but it's something called reality. And at one point we lost it. We lost that class fighting and family type of thing. It was there. You could see there was a, a little, little disconnection with the fans. But right now, all the fans wanted is to relate to the team and a team that can compete, then you're going to lose on a They didn't boo the team yesterday. Mm. It, it, it happens. Fans can understand that. What fans don't understand is when they don't see, they, they don't see a team that fights. They don't see themselves in the team, the, the team that don't represent the community. And Edu, the board, Mikel Arteta, whoever, however you want to call it, brought that back. But to bring that back, I go back. How, how do you give a manager two months, three months, four months, six months to change something. Because in, in, in how the world is going, normally any other club, Mikel Arteta wouldn't have been there mm-hmm. still. Edu kept him or whoever, because I'm not there, I don't know who kept the captain. Give the man a chance to put a team out there. First and foremost, one and a half year to get rid of the guys that shouldn't be there. That's on him. Let him see. Give him time. What he did, now, 
who can stay? All those youngsters can stay. Okay, that guy can stay. Who was on loan? Okay, Saliba comes back. We go to get party. Other guard will be our team. Whatever it is, it took a little time. Now it's running. Are we going to win the league? I don't know. But it looks like the Arsenal I know. And that's why, at the end of the day, you can't fool fans. They, 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 they scream and they're there and they have that attitude because they see something. That's why they're loud. If not, they're there and they watch the game. It's a different, it's a different emotion. You mentioned class there and you mentioned the board giving Arteta the opportunity and the time. Obviously, back in 2021, you were you know, working alongside Daniel Ek and, and supportive of, of a takeover. Do you still think that, that he, you know, that the Cronkies should sell or, or do you believe they've earned the right now to, to look after the club? Look, at the time, you, offer, you want to offer a solution to the fans mm. because everybody was like, sell, 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 but sell to who? So we offered a solution. It wasn't meant to be. I'm an Arsenal fan. Let's win. Doesn't matter. You're there to offer a solution. You want it. You don't want it. It's a different ball game. Now, everything is okay. Why, why anyone would want to disturb anything right now? It's, it's, it's all I wanted, whether it was me in or me out. I want Arsenal to be successful. That's the main point. So you would, you would back sort of the Cronkies to, to stay and own the club? I back Arsenal to win. I back Arsenal to win. I back the badge. I back everyone that wears that shirt. After that, it's out of my hand. All I can say to you is I want my team to win and be competitive. That's what I back. I'm, I'm, you know, when the people were asking me, are you, are you Wenger in or out? I'm Arsenal in. Not out, okay. or I'm Arsenal in. So, you know, I don't like those type of debates and things. People go, go through moments. You know, Liverpool didn't wait, what, 30 years to win the league? He didn't bother anyone. Did he? One final question on, on Arsenal, and I could go all day. I'm sure you, much <laughs> like myself and everyone at CBS, are really looking forward to next season, hopefully having them on the, the big Champions League show and you don't have to watch on the corner of your phone. No, it's going to be annoying. <laughs> but, uh, was, you know, doing the Arsenal game. Oh, man. Have you seen Jamie sometime? How he reacts? He can't even speak. I was I was sat there for the I was in the final with the Napoli game. I'm like, hey, we are supposed to go. He didn't want he didn't want to speak. And when uh, and when Man City lost against Real Madrid, it was Micah. Micah was just looking at the ceiling. Uh, you know that that would be me. So, but what do you think Arsenal could achieve in the Champions League with the the team they've got? And maybe you know we hear about Declan Rice players like that. Let's finish this year, and then I said to you. I don't talk before the cup is in. Uh, so you're not in a Champions League yet. <laughs> Calm down. And I'm, I, I'm, I won't claim that I'm, I'm the biggest Arsenal fan, but I am. I am an Arsenal fan, not the mm-hmm. biggest Arsenal fan. But it's still a long way to go. We're not there when and if we qualify. And I know people will tell me, oh, come on, Terry. No, no, no. When and if we qualify, then we can talk about it. 